Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. Today, we're talking about Taika taking the lead in a galaxy far, far away. The Punisher will be born again on Disney+. Plus. We've got a new trailer filled with turtles, and we're finally getting fearless. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hey, it's Nate, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for this week in geek, we've got the turnt up, taika talking, turtle teaching, Justin, the Leo loving Lawrence. Cowabunga dudes, how are you? <laughs> Doing good? I picked Leo because it, it went with the name. Is that... Is that your favorite? Uh, I, well, I never know. Th- this is a question I get asked all the time because I'm such a turtle fan. But I got to say, I would adopt a little bit of all the turtles. Yeah. yeah, I got a little bit of wrath in me. You know, I can get a little angry. I like to be a leader sometimes, just like Leo. I'm a okay. crazy guy who loves pizza as well, like yeah. Michelangelo. And I'm a little techie like Donatello. So I, I, I feel like I adopt a little bit of all of You're them. all the turtles. But for the alliteration, I appreciate that you went with Leo. It, it just okay. rhymed with everything else. So, But, dude, I'm excited for today's episode because of who we have joining us. Well, let's get to it. Uh, joining us... We are so stoked to have the fantastically fabulous foundling who's funny, friendly, and keeps it fresh with the force. He's Q107's own fearless Fred. I love alliteration. I loved everything about that. That was so great. Well done. Well done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> A tour de force. Uh, do, so, welcome. Uh, is it fearless Fred? Just, just Fred. Fred. We'll just, just go Fred. by Fred. I'm not in the Perfect. studio anymore. I'm at home. So I'm not fearless. I fear the wrath of my wife quite severely. So (laughs) I am just Fred, just regular Fred that wears sweatpants. So that's oh, sweatpants Fred. I love it. I love it. (laughs) That's the version. Sweatpants Fred, did you see this this new Magic the Gathering Lord? I know you're a big Lord of the Rings fan. Do you see the new Lord of the Rings set that they're doing? I haven't really because I'm not a big Magic the Gathering guy, but I did mm-hmm. see the pictures on the cards and I thought they were pretty rad. I'm also not a Warhammer guy, but I love the Lord of the Rings Warhammer stuff too. Oh, yeah. I just love Lord of the Rings. And I and I got to say that, that uh, the art direction in those Peter Jackson movies, like you can say whatever you want about any literary misgivings you might have mm-hmm. with the movies, but they look so good. That's so timeless good. art direction. It's timeless art direction is what it is. Well, and I think it's it's like a it's like a language at the end of the day that that we all understand. And then um, I saw they have this card. This they're doing a one ring card, and they're doing three three different versions of it. But then they're doing one version that is one of one print, and they're putting it out in the booster packs. So I just I wanted to quickly mention it. See if you were gonna you know you mentioned your wife getting angry at you before. I was wondering if she would get <laughs> angry at you for collecting some <laughs> Lego <laughs> man. That's cards. as far as we That's go. The one. Lego. Did you see the new set that they did? Oh my God! Absolutely, the Rivendell. Oh I, that Riv- that Rivendell set is like something that is definitely on the Kennedy radar. My <laughs> wife got me for Christmas this year the the reissue of the Knight's Castle, and that mm. is a monster of a set. And the details and everything in it. It's a in that set. There's actually a little kid playing with the original yellow castle that you make out of Lego bricks for the little Lego minifig to play with. That's so epic, dude! It's That's nuts. Cool. It's nuts. That's so nice. Yeah, That's nostalgia. Awesome. Uh, well, Fred, welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast. We're so happy to have you on here. Excited to chat with you about this week's news. But before we get to all of that, 
want to talk a little bit about you. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself to let our listeners know who you are and what you're all about? Uh, my name's Fred. I work on the radio. I used to be on TV on Teletoon at night hosting Fred at Night, which was oh, a yeah. bunch of shows where we were the ones that did Archer and we had a really, really good working relationship with all the people behind Archer. And then I also do voice work, uh, commercials, cartoons, and video games, and stuff like that. But I write comics as well. And like that's what I got. My big image book comes out in like two days. And that has been a long time in the making, man. A long time. And I'm pretty stoked about it. I got some tweets about it from Image. Like the Image official account was tweeting about it. And I remember having this like... It's happening. Like, oh my God, it's happening. It's got to be such a cool feeling. It was pretty rad, man. It was pretty rad, let me tell you. That's a perfect segue right into why you're here as well, because you do have this fantastic comic coming out later this week uh, entitled Dead Romans. Uh, It's published by Image Comics, and it's written by you with artwork from... Okay, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, Nick. I might butcher your name. Nick Marinkovich? That, I say that... Marinkovic. I've heard someone say Marinkovich, but Marin he always Co- calls himself Marinky Dink as a Marinky joke. Dink. That's he easy. says okay, that. That's easy. So, that's far so him easier. saying that, I, I just say Marinkovic. I just say Nick. I never <laughs> yeah, call yeah. him by his last name. I just say Nick all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> this is hitting shelves, comic book shelves. So people will physically be able to buy this, right? Yeah. On March 22nd, 2023. Now, I have a, a, a lovely little synopsis, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you, actually, because I think... You ha- we have you here. Why don't you let our lovely listeners know what this comic book's all about? It's about the Battle of Tudorburg Forest, uh, which was the biggest defeat, the most significant defeat that the Roman Empire ever suffered. And we've got like a really dark love story set amid this horrifically tragic battle in the rainy, swamp, boggy forests of Germania in the fall of 9 AD. So oh, well, it's, yeah. it's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. And it's got I some real it. dark horror elements. But there, mm-hmm. it is definitely at its at its core. It is a love story. I always keep saying that because it is. I I absolutely love that because there's such an odd connection between war and love. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think that that's so relatable to past historical events that are very much tied to love and and have led to war. And you know, we kind of go in and out of comics, and most of the comics we're reading are about superheroes and all very fiction. Those I are wanted cool. to know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're totally cool. But this one is grounded in more history. So I wanted to know what was your inspiration of of wanting to tell this story? Um. Well, because I, I, I grew up in Belgium, and so we went to like these. These like village recreated villages of the Belgii tribe, and there was a archaeological dig of a Roman ruin that was right by it. And then, you know, your little lizard brain, because you're a little kid, you're starting to figure things out. And then, I knew who Julius Caesar was. I knew mm-hmm. him as this vague figure of this Roman. He was the Roman emperor. You know, he embodied Rome, and he mm-hmm. was right here. And he fought right here, that hill right there. That's where there was a big battle. And there's markers set up on this hill. And he talks about it in his diary about the Gallic Wars. And it's like, it's here. We're there. Mm -hmm. And it's a really cool feeling. And then uh, I got some Asterix and Obelisk comics when I was around that age. And I kind of like tied it all in together. And there was always this vague awareness and fascination with Rome without even really understanding what it was I was fascinated with. Mm -hmm. And then you watch Star Wars. And you've got the evil, the great evil empire. And 
what is the empire based on? That could never happen. Guess what it did? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> and so then you read about it and you're like, well, if it's so powerful and so unstoppable, how did it fall apart? This is how, mm. oh my God. And you just keep going deeper and deeper, finding more right. and more. And as like I was in my teenage years, when I read about the Battle of Tudorburg Forest, I had this like book at home about great battles for freedom. And it's a fascinating story like mm -hmm. the historical nuts and bolts of what happened are incredibly interesting you've got a guy who was a germanic prince he was taken hostage as a kid brought to rome raised as a roman general became very successful very respected goes back to germania with the intention of him being this bridge between two cultures but he sees what rome is doing to his people and he unites them in secret over two years and forms this coalition of tribes. And it's like, we all hate each other. We all hate Rome more. And I know how to beat them. So you follow me, do what I say, and we'll win. And they will never come back. And then they never did come back. And it's like that idea of, it is so incredible. Like the <laughs> logistics. And you're talking mm -hmm. about an era where everything he did, he met with people face to face. He sent out spies. And he kept this all, like he was a man of walking in two worlds. And right. it's just... There's so much cool stuff, and I was very adamant that none of that stuff get changed. So mm. that's, that's it. Good. I, I was really stoked to dig in, and when I was explaining it to Nick, he really like broke down how, from an artist perspective, the imagery you have, like these these arch archetypical images of power yep. and pomp, all start there. Like our mm -hmm. idea of that imperial power, like art as power art as politics that's where it all comes from or you could argue it's from before that but i think it's the most formative universal example at least in western cultures because you're talking about something that goes all the way to like saudi arabia and the middle east and then down south into africa and it's like huge it's so it's so cool and so when he started sending me art i was like i think i think we hit it <laughs> I think we're doing good. Oh, dude, I like I was fortunate enough, thanks to you and, and Image, uh, for for letting me read the first issue, and honestly, the artwork and the tone of of the visuals matches so well to feel historic and referencing the history while also feeling uh, refreshingly new. Uh, so the the visuals are are absolutely stunning, stunning. In, in 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 the artwork. It's it's so good. The work that you and Nick have done, and actually speaking about that, like you know kind of going more technical because you know again I, i'm i come from an illustrative background so i remember the days that i always wanted to be a, a comic book illustrator I, I always wanted to learn more about the technical approach to how that works and understanding that there's different processes i wanted to know though for writing a comic like this how does that process work like how do you how do you sort of write a comic book are you writing panels or are you uh, what you would like to see in panels or are you writing more emotional stuff and how does that work with nick like collaborating with him that's the thing is it's so collaborative uh scott mm. chandler who is an amazing comic book creator um he always says that the writer tells the story to the artist and the artist tells the story to the reader and i totally agree <laughs> with that it's such a great line that's great. and he just and what's amazing is like and it's i don't know if you've ever met scott or seen him on a panel but he's so cool he's just a cool guy like he's like he's just like well, let me tell you, the artist <laughs> tells the story to the reader. Okay, that's how it is. And it's like, yeah, but that's that's how it is. So when I was writing it with Nick, like initially I wrote him like, 
just like a scene. Like I wrote the scene and these are the elements that I want to have in. And then he started doing art before. I was like, no, don't do that. I don't have this. It's not scripted. I just wanted to give you the vibe that I was going for. And uh, the very first page on issue one, the splash page, there's a splash page and you've got the hills and the trees and the Roman column descending off into the distance. And at the forefront, there are some scouts, some Roman auxilia, like at the front. And then in the background, like in the sky, you've got a lightning bolt hitting and there's ravens all over. And that image, like that singular page is uh, the story. That's the whole story. The first page is like this micro version of the macro is a line that I'm stealing from another great comic book creator named Francis Manipal. So I don't have any good lines. I just steal everything I have. <laughs> great artist. So we're clear. So, great artist. Yeah, so <laughs> that, he said, he goes, when you open the book, he goes, you, when you see the pitch, you want to know what the story is. And so when Nick did this like sketch for me, mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. buddy, that's like, let's set the tone like right there. Mm. And so then I mapped out with the script and have this idea of like having like, we, we walk into the, the opening panels of the column and I write down the panels, panel this, panel that, panel this. And then we transition into this dream sequence, but I want you to follow her eye line and I want you to have like a continuous motif. So okay, a lot yeah. of times it's like, I will say, it'd be cool if we did this. And then he will write back saying, okay, do you, you want like, like I get very literary, literal with what I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And then I say, do this, do this, do this, break it down. But if you can find a way to make it work more with you, then you do that. But by the time we got to like the third issue, I knew exactly what he wanted. So I was writing it for him. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've worked with other really great comp book artists before, like Adam Gorham, who is doing the Darth Vader book. Um, oh. He, him and I, I did my very first real book with him and then we're working on something right now that I can't really talk about. I'm okay. on like some NDAs and stuff, but it's, it's a very big IP and I've been a huge fan of this IP since like 1997. So it was a big deal to work on it and then work on it with him. Who's this incredible artist. And I will say this, we're doing like, dude, it's going to be like the gnarliest metal shit you've ever seen. Like it's, it's <laughs> rad. Like it's really rad. So with him, when I write out with him, I'm very, cause I've known him for so long. I'll write it out and I'll be like this double, these two pages need to include these things. And this dialogue needs to be present. And then I want it to, this is what's happening, but this is what we've got to pay attention to. So this is happening, but this is what's got to draw the eye. This is what's happening, but this has got to draw the eye. And then he knows where to go with it from there. And sometimes like, will he'll send me thumbs and then which are like just the rough 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 sketches and then i get back to him and then i like draw it on it with like ms paint and little arrows and stuff so nice, nice. yeah yeah that's i great. really okay. got into the nuts and bolts with it no that's I, good I, I didn't know if honestly, that's what you wanted yeah no that's yeah. exactly what i wanted because honestly like for myself i i'm 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 someone who likes to know all facets of 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 the creative process and writing is such a celebrated part of the comic book process there's some great stories that have been told through the comics and I, i've always been interested in understanding how that is written and to me now that I, I have i have a bit of a film background it sounds like a screenplay a little yeah. bit it sounds like a little bit like a screenplay that is you know uh, and, and your person behind the camera is your artist who's totally is making these renders right so 100 i really love that i really really love that and also just for our audience if anyone out there is interested in understanding a little bit more about comic book writing you've definitely given them a wealth of knowledge um i got one more question for you given that you are such a fan of comic books and and stories told uh is there a character or a story you would want to write for and who would that be and and why 
Oh, Conan or Silver Surfer. Those two are the, those are that's my dream pairing right there. Conan. Would you do and a Sil- mashup? I, you know, I would like to. I don't know how that would work. I'd like. To, I have so. Much, I used to love the What If comics, like yeah. the old old What If comics when I was in junior high. I loved the What If comics more than anything else. Right. Because they were so ridiculous, and some of them were really silly, and some of them were so gnarly, man, like stuff that you'd mm. never see happen. Um, like these post-apocalyptic superhero stories, which I loved. I thought those were so cool. Uh, but yeah, I would love to do a Conan the Barbarian story. I actually um, started writing all these novellas and short stories and about this sort of like a, a paladin-esque Conan years ago. And I published a bunch of them on... Uh, on like Kindle and stuff like that. They're out mm-hmm. there. Uh, the character was named Brachus. And I told like some stories, like he's like a, he's not quite a sellsword, but he's like a member of this monastic order that were wiped out. And he's like one of a, f- there's a few of them out there, but he sort of like goes out there and sells his service, but he's very moral, you know, he's yeah, very, he's very like Conan is a, like a big philanderer and whatnot, but mm-hmm. he is not, but he could go toe to toe with Conan, and I think he'd hold his own. Um, but he uh, is a, was a super moral character, and I would love to take some of the ideas I had for that character and sort of transition him into like Conan-esque stories. And I think that while I was writing them, I probably had that as some pipe dream in mind, anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> right, but right, like absolutely. they could all. And the thing is, I was looking over one of them the other day, and I was like. This could very easily be a Conan story, like very easily. I just got to rip it from the internet, pretend it doesn't exist, and then change some names. But the Silver, Sur- yeah, the Silver Surfer is a huge one too. I love Marvel space stuff. Um, yes, Jim Starlin, Ron Lim is one of my favorite artists that I grew up with. Uh, I've got some some actual inks. I'm looking at one right on the wall over there from nice. the Rebirth of Thanos with. Silver Surfer and Drax the Destroyer flying around through an asteroid field. That's something that I would love to work on, but that's like a big tentpole name. You don't start writing the For Silver sure. Surfer. But I got I got a bunch of ideas that I would love to do with Marvel specifically. And also DC, I'm a big Green Lantern guy. I just love space stuff. It's weird. Right. I love space stuff and fantasy Cosmic. stuff. Yeah, know? no, that's, you know, I don't think it's far-fetched to, to say that you could get something like Conan Barbarian with, with uh, Silver Surfer. I think that's totally possible and I would love to see it happen. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for people to see uh, the first issue. And how many issues is Dead Six. Just so It's six. six so issues. it's okay. six, and Nick and I, we're, we're, we've got a second arc, like, pretty much mapped out, um, and we'd love to do it. And I want to make sure that I give a huge shout-out to our editor, Allison. Uh, like, our colorist, Jose, our letterer, Andrew, I love him, but I, I need to make sure that I give a huge yes. amount of love to Allison O'Toole, she is one of the best editors in the game, and just keep an eye on all the book. If you ever see Allison O'Toole's name on a book, you should snag it because she's one of the best and awesome. has been a huge, huge help and resource and like guiding light in so many like dark corners of this book that we're working on. So I just want to make sure that everyone knows. For sure respect the Allison. Yeah, I you know what? Again, another sort of avenue of how it connects to in my mind to like filmmaking. It's just there's a team of people that collaborate totally. on this to bring it to life. So, yes, kudos to the entire team. I've only read one issue, but it looks really interesting and I already love the association of of love and war. Mm. Uh, that's that's what jumped up to me. The second so, issue is when it really starts to pop off 
we awesome. kind of really established the setting and vibe. And in the second issue, there's like, there's a lot of character work for the next 40 yeah. or so pages. Well, I'm, so, I'm excited, man. Yeah. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, you'll like I'm, it. <laughs> I'm stoked as well. Like, I'm I'm very jealous because I, I didn't get to chance to read it yet. Yeah. Um, but I am. Right. I'm very. No, it's all good. I'm stoked for it. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to eventually get it uh, in like a hard. Are you planning on doing like a hardcover release at all? Or I, anything like that? I'm not joking. Yeah. Right before I came on, I got it. We yeah. got an email from Jim uh jim valentino at Shadowline and image saying right guys i need a new cover for the hardcover just throwing that <laughs> out there and then, like that's all he says and we're like okay i guess that's something else it's we've got to do yeah cool that's cool sweet. yeah so there's awesome a hardcover there. you can pre-order the hardcover right now uh it's available you can pre-order it right I now i just did so. there we go there we go <laughs> <laughs> um you know you mentioned allison being uh, a light uh, in your life, one of the lights that is bright and shining when I'm scrolling through Twitter and your your beautiful name pops up is this cute little cat in your Twitter profile picture. Who is this cat? I don't know, man. So I put <laughs> so my my happy cat. That's the happy yeah. cat. And it's funny when I I put that up there when the old Pandy B was starting. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So when the pandemic started broken out. And like it was super negative, and anyone was super angry. Like this yeah. is like, and it, I didn't realize I was about to get three years of anger out of it. But when the whole thing started, <laughs> like I put the little smiling happy cat on there, uh, just as a like something to be happy, and so that's there. But we also did a bunch of fostering with kittens uh, for most of the pandemic, and then like Dope. during the last few months, we like we had foster, we had a foster fail with three cats. So I am big a big advocate of anybody. Uh, opening up your homes and your hearts, and uh, doing some fostering with some kitties and some dogs. If you got, if you got the time, you know, you got the room. Like, give them some snugs. Yeah. Everyone needs yeah. some snugs, man. Dude, yeah. I would struggle so hard with the, the the ending part of that, though. For me, like, do you ever? Did you ever get to a point where you're like, we're keeping this one? We oh, we did. Well, the thing yeah. is, is the, this is what's wild is you find like you learn like the personalities of these little guys, and then some of them are good, and some of them aren't so good. And it's not that they're not good; they just don't jive with you. You know, it's just sure. not what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, but then we got like these three little cats, and they were just they're just the best, and so we're like. Let's see if we can adopt them. So we just kept those three. So we got Very George, cool. Albert, nice. and Eleanor. They're pretty, they're pretty rad. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and they're on your Instagram. I've seen a few, few cute little photos of them. Cat gang. That's cat what I say. <laughs> cat gang. Uh, Fred, you have the distinct honor of being one of the only, uh, one of two guests ever to host uh, a This Week in Geek episode with us on the podcast. Solid. Uh, so with that comes a tough question. It's a really tough question. And I think, Justin, going forward, I think we're going to use this as a thing for future guests on, uh, on This Week in Geek. But Fred, to get a better understanding of your fandoms and what you geek out over, who would you put on your geeky Mount Rushmore. You have four spots. Like, are these real people or are they characters? It's up to you. I'm going to, I've got, I kind of have it either way. You can kind of either go with characters or the people who created them. Okay, I've got Ahsoka Tano, oh, uh, yeah. Darth Vader, yeah, um, J.R.R. Tolkien, and Isaac Asimov. There you go. Wow. Go. That it. was an easy one. And two of them were Star Wars. That's yeah. great. I love yeah. it. I can't deny like my love of Star Wars. I just can't. Like it was it's so formative. There were other things before that. Like I loved He-Man. I loved He-Man so much. Um I loved Big Trouble in Little China. Jack Burton is like rad. Wayne, Wayne Chi is like amazing. He's one of the like that was like my first kung fu superhero guy. 
Um, but like when I found Star Wars, it just changed everything. It, be, it was it took over everything. Like it consumed all other fandoms, and even Ninja Turtles, which was huge. I loved nin- the Ninja Turtles growing up. I'm Michelangelo, by the way, relating to the earlier question. There you go. Not that I party much anymore, but I'm very chill, like Michelangelo. Right. Imagine Michelangelo with back problems. That's me. But like <laughs> with sharp problems. Yeah, and, and yeah. Isaac Asimov because when I when I really started reading heavy sci-fi, the Foundation series really was a real foundation of all that stuff and it's just such a there's people that would argue it's kind of hokey and silly and all that stuff, but it it's it's so formative and it's so cool and it's so epic and sweeping. Um, and some people would put Dune in that place. They put Frank Herbert there. And that's cool. Adam Gorham would probably put Frank Herbert on there. Yeah, right. Um, right. But I would say Isaac Asimov and J.R.R. Tolkien because of like all the fantasy stuff that I love. He laid a foundation, man. He laid a foundation. And so many people have, have very much emulated the J.R. Tolkien approach to storytelling. For a great reason. I mean, there's, yep. there's so much quality in those stories and there's so much earnestness and heart and so much research and i love mm-hmm. the cimmerillion and uh, Turin the the story of Turin Turinbar is like one of the greatest things that you will ever read in your whole life mm-hmm. uh i don't know if you guys have read the cimmerillion but all the all the real shits in the cimmerillion man that's the good place <laughs> that's yeah. all the good, good stuff <laughs> like uh, the, the stuff with Turin the black sword it's the coolest story like this guy like the best of the human warriors, but he's raised by the elves. You could almost argue like an Arminius thing going back to dead Romans, like right. raised by the elves, given the best gear, given like a magic sword that's like borderline cursed, but he's so obsessed with revenge against uh, Melkor and the orcs. He commits his life to vengeance and destruction. <laughs> and it's, and he wears this dragon helm crafted by Elvin Smiths. Like it, there's so much rad stuff about that character. He And he's like, there's other characters that are like just as good warriors and they bond with other warriors, but it's like, no, I don't do that. You know what I'm here for? Murder. I'm here to murder <laughs> bad guys. He's like, he's amazing. I love the story of Turin. And Allison, my editor, and I talk about our love of Turin all the time. And one day maybe, like it could be an HBO series, like 10 episodes of his life. And it's like, just raw like it's the yeah. best ah, so good <laughs> turin turin sounds like the uh the punisher of the uh the tolkien kind universe, of maybe. except imagine like way more tragic like and i know that you think <laughs> how read it yeah it's okay. the, it's, it's the worst but it's so good <laughs> very cool uh well listen we've got some uh, some news to get to about the punisher some other star wars news as well uh so if it's all right with you fred i think we should uh get into the news it's all about the details All right, our first news story, Star Wars shakeup Kevin Feige and Patty Jenkins movie shell Taika Waititi looking to star in his own film. This comes as an exclusive exclusive from Adam B. Very over at Variety, which Adam B. Very, I still got to say, I love that name, Adam B. Very. 
Uh, I don't know why. It just sounds like a, not a real name. I don't know. Um, but in 2019, The Mandalorian became a global sensation thanks to the incandescent cuteness of Baby Yoda blasting Disney Plus into light speed with 26.5 million subscribers in its first six weeks. The Rise of Skywalker, on the other hand, imploded in spectacular fashion. The film earned just half the grosses of 2015's The Force Awakens and the widespread scorn of fans uh, and Star Wars movie develop. Uh, sorry, and the widespread scorn of fans and Star Wars movie development has been stuck in the bogs of Dagobah ever since. I like that. Um, it's not for want of trying. In December 2020, Lucasfilm chief Kathleen Kennedy announced that Wonder Woman helmer Patty Jenkins would direct the next Star Wars movie, the one-off adventure Rogue Squadron. But in September 2022, Disney pulled that title from its schedule, uh, from its scheduled December 2023 release date, and sources with knowledge of the product of the production say it is no longer in active development. Meanwhile, Variety uh, has learned that a possible Star Wars feature produced by Marvel Studios chief Kevin Feige is also no longer in active development at Lucasfilm. Uh, so what Star Wars movie could slot into that open December 2025 release date? Sources say Thor Love and Thunder filmmaker Taika Waititi continues to work on his possible Star Wars feature, and he would most likely have a part in it as well, uh, similar uh, in prominence to his standout role as the, an imaginary Adolf Hitler in his Oscar-winning 2019 feature Jojo Rabbit. Uh, and although Lucasfilm has yet to officially confirm it, sources say the studio is committed to a Star Wars movie from director Charmaine... Uh, Charmin Obeid Chinoy, a, a two-time Oscar-winning documentarian uh, who made her live-action narrative debut with two episodes of the 2022's uh, Miss Marvel for Disney+. Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson uh, were attached in October to write the script for that movie. So, guys, um, with the news, you know, that, you know, obviously Taika is not only, um, you know, working on the script and not only directing it, but now also starring in a Star Wars movie. What do you? What do you? Does that do anything for you, Fred? No, no. Like, no. I, not, <laughs> I don't want to seem dismissive to Taika Waititi. I think he's. I think he's great, and he does really rad stuff. And I really uh, loved when he did the third. Not was it? Was it the third Thor movie or the fourth? The third. It was uh, the third. The third one was really good. Ragnarok. Sorry. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the fourth one. Eh, not so good. But can, his original stuff is all so good. Yeah. And I don't, I, and I don't want to like sound like I'm dumping on him or what he does. I oh, think please. Jojo Rabbit is one of the best movies I've seen so in like a yes. decade. <laughs> but I don't think that necessarily translates to him being, what is a kid going to have an imaginary Palpatine friend? <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. And yeah. here's the, the joke is Palpatine was a vegetarian. <laughs> that's how you know that it's an imaginary friend. And it's like, that's cool. Like I get yeah. it, but like move on. Like I think he's, I, I love him as Korg and I love that, but it seems like a lot of those characters are the same characters and maybe just having him as IG 11 is enough for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Patty Jenkins getting uh, the the Rogue Squadron stuff shut down. I think wah, wah, that I am I was I'm way more into, yeah. way more into than seeing a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie. And it, it it's like I just love Rogue Squadron. And and if you've read any of, like the expanded universe books, like all that stuff was super dope. And mm -hmm. 
getting to see more about Wedge Antilles, and then they touch on Wedge Antilles in the Rebels series, and they've got all these, like, not, was it was it Rebels? Yeah, it was in Rebels that they touch on Wedge Antilles being young, and, and yep. those things are so cool to me. And I'd like to see them do more of that. To be honest, and, and, and more bluntly, I think Star Wars works much better as a series than as a movie. I think That's there it. are, there are yeah. tentpole things that work really well for Star mm. Wars' movies, but to try and create, to go out with the off, with like the impetus of doing, it's going to be three movies. Give me a series. Like, give me a series then, because you can do more. I think Andor is the, is, is that's the golden tuna. Like, that's the new model, I think. Well, but what, I, I, that doesn't mean anybody else is wrong for saying I'm no, wrong for either. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. No, I mean, you know, we are, uh, I think, undoubtedly, Justin, between you and I, we're pretty big uh, Taika fans in general. Um, <laughs> actually had pretty positive stuff with uh, Love and Thunder. Um, and I think I think going back, sorry, just going back to Patty Jenkins, though, and, and the loss of the Rogue One movie. I, for me, listen. The first Wonder Woman movie was great. I don't know enough of Patty Jenkins' uh, other work to really make a comment as to whether or not I actually want her doing a Rogue Squadron movie. But what I will say is if you've watched the most recent episode of The Mandalorian, uh, the the dog fights in the sky, like the, <laughs> the ship combat, it's just, I'm like, give me Top yeah. Gun Maverick <laughs> in Star Wars right now in there my veins. Go. Like, yeah. I would, it would be phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. X-Wings yeah. are cool, man. Yeah. And, yeah. like, having, like, that... And the thing that they can do, and they did this really well in Rogue One, was when they had the old X-Wings fighting, and then the dogfight aerial maneuvers that they put them in, it had this World War One dogfight vibe. Give me that as a whole movie. Give me, like, a Memphis Belle in Star mm -hmm. Wars land. You know, we got to take out this one power plant. It's all we got to do. And it's like, cool, I'm in it. You know, like, we, do we yeah. have spaceships? Are they flying? Is there going to be some <laughs> lots of cool sound? Cool, I'm there. Let's do it up. Oh, wait, Taika Waititi is narrating it with a silly voice. <laughs> I'm out. I am well, out. I'm sorry. Well, I actually agree with you. I think that Star Wars has flourished and has benefited from the series episodic approach rather than the in-theater approach. I mean, from uh, Dave Filoni. Let's just well, put from it right Dave out Filoni, there. Yeah, but, but also uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. But it doesn't mean that they couldn't necessarily roll over and do a movie right. and have more of a budget and you know expand on the stories that they're telling. But that said, I, I would be interested to see what Taika's story is. This the, this news article doesn't obviously shed any light about what the story's about, if it's about uh, you know the dark side of the Force or Jedis or whatever. Or is it something that's more about the people, like an Andor style? We don't know. But that said, I, I think that, like you said, like it's interesting that they picked Taika Waititi to be in the Star Wars universe because they recognize that in terms of the film capacity, Star Wars needs a shakeup. Yep. Needs a shakeup. It's it's just been bogged down by the Skywalker saga, which is great. It's great, but that is all people have ever known about the cinematic world of Star Wars. Uh, is is all the stories that have been in and around that? You know, even even the Rogue One and, and Solo have both kind of fed into that larger narrative. So, I'm interested in what Taika would do with Star Wars, but I don't know. Like, I'm kind of with you, Fred. I, I don't think that movies for Star Wars really need to be a thing right now. I I, I would I would more rather see series and, and more of that explored 
through I that because it, it, I miss it so much. I miss I miss the feeling. The Christmas it's a Christmas thing. You go. It's <laughs> December. It's winter in Canada. It's snowing everywhere, and you're warmed up by the warm glow of a big movie theater screen, popcorn in your lap, and Star Wars on the screen. Like that is that. I it still cannot be replaced. I get from what you're saying from a narrative standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, and also from a fan reception standpoint. I mean, listen, if Ryan, if what Ryan Johnson did was divisive amongst the fan base. I don't think a Taika Waititi movie is going to be or any Charmaine. less divisive or, or, or what Charmaine Charmaine's is going to do. Like, I, I'm yeah. very interested. Like, she's a fantastic filmmaker and the fact that she started in documentary and now transitioned into fiction, told her stories in Miss Marvel and is doing a Star Wars movie. Well, it's a family. Like, like it, that would be a family movie. She's good at exactly. doing, like Miss Marvel proves she can direct family and that's one of the exactly. core tenets of Star Wars. I don't think there needs to be family movies for Star Wars or everything. What I mean is there can be family movies. That's rad. And right. I don't need every Star Wars movie to be for me. There right. can be movies that are made exclusively for kids set in the Star Wars universe. And I am a grown up who can be like, that's rad. Yeah. Different things can be for different people. But I also don't like the idea that you can't have a Rogue One movie because it's too grown up. You know what I mean? There can be different there can be different things for different people and it, it's all Star Wars. I love it all. Like I would argue and I'll get a I'll get contra this is controversial. Oh, it's a hot take. Get ready everyone. Trust. Yeah, I'm ready. Get ready. We're going there. <laughs> Rebels is the best thing Star Wars has ever done. Hands down. Ooh. Period. End of story. And I wow. love Andor. I really do love it. There's aspects of it that I thought some characters got done pretty dirty and it kind of got like, okay, but I love it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. it doesn't need to be perfect. I thought it was, I, I burned myself for a sunrise. I know I'll never see. Like, come on. That's yeah. like, I'm yeah, going to cry on the go train when I'm yeah. watching that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I did cry on the go train when I watched go. that. Oh. But that like, the Rebels is just like, it's, it's perfect Star Wars. I think Rebels is the most perfect Star Wars has ever been. Like everything before Rebels walked and it ran mm. and it was just like it, it found this incredibly nuanced approach to the Jedi and the force. And I like I have so much love for Star Wars. And when you're talking about the idea of going to the theater in the winter to watch Star Wars movie and that like feeling you have. That was my kids first Star Wars thing. Yeah. And so both my kids watching Star Wars, they fell in love with that show because you've got a little kid who's learning about the ways of the force. They can relate to that. You've got a guy dealing with a lot of like trauma and self-doubt. I can relate to that. You've mm -hmm. got a woman in like a maternal motherly role. My wife can relate to that. Like that was right. one of those shows where all of us were watching it. All of us were taking something completely different away. To me, perfect Star Wars Rebels done. Done. I, I'm moving on. I'm done. I, 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 yeah. Well, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna add to the sentiment. I totally agree, because it removes itself from the Skywalker timeline. Even though that it's surrounded by, you know, Vader, Darth Maul, characters that we know from the Skywalker saga, it's telling a new story with new characters in the Star Wars galaxy. So it's completely refreshing. So I, I would agree with you. Like everyone on when they watched Rogue One and then that big finale happens with Vader and he comes out and he like blah, 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 blah. Everyone like was blown away by that. But for anybody who was watching Rebels, 
that felt like a big screen representation of what they'd already seen in Rebels. Now, I don't know if you remember when in the beginning of season two, when Vader appears, like that infamous line, you're about to learn there's worse things in the galaxy than death. Who's worse than death? <laughs> Darth Vader. And when he shows up, like he's so powerful. Monumentous. They, yeah. they don't even know what he is. <laughs> like They're like, and, and Ahsoka Tano is there. And they're like, what was that? And Ahsoka Tano's like, there's something about it. Like, But he's so like over, and you get this, you finally get some depth from an informed opinion of how over powerfully hate-filled and angry and malicious this guy is. And it's, I, oh, I got nothing but great things to say. So. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really stoked to see the future and I th- I agree I think I think let's it's a big galaxy let's get yeah. away from the skywalkers please please give me something new I'm even excited for young jedi adventures with nubs little nubs yeah, nubs nubs little gang. animated show dude yeah. let's go I'm ready I'm ready we're going to You guys okay what's do you that? guys want me to bring up my star wars radio play that I do cuz I can oh but my I don't gosh. know if you, I don't know if you're ready for that imagine platoon meets star wars that's all Oof. I'm saying Okay. Season two, see, we're we're back with season one is getting re-released on May fourth, obviously, yeah. and then season two is coming after. And uh, I heard a little bit of it on on your Instagram. I think I, I think I caught well, a little uh, bit. We can talk. A that's a we can't do that today. We'll get <laughs> super Star Wars nerdy then, but <laughs> a little tease. Uh, well, listen, only time will tell if uh, if the the future of of this Star Wars film uh, supposedly is supposed to be announced. Uh, in less than a month, according to uh, a lot of rumors at uh, London or in London at Star Wars Celebration, which we will definitely be covering, uh, myself and our co-host uh, Darcy and Kevin will be at Star Wars Celebration, uh, and we might even have an upcoming episode from within our hotel room. Uh, so definitely look forward to that. One thing's for certain, uh, you know, I think my my. My bank is going to uh, punish me for how much money I'm going to spend there. Speaking of punishing, John Bernthal <laughs> returning as the Punisher for Daredevil Born Again. This comes from Boris Kitt and Aaron Couch over at The Hollywood Reporter, who write, John Bernthal is returning to his most punishing role. The actor will reprise Frank Castle, a.k.a. Antihero the Punisher, in Marvel Studios' Daredevil Born Again for Disney+, Plus. sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. Bernthal joins Charles. Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio in the series, which begins shooting in New York this month uh, in a departure from other Marvel series, which come in at six or nine episodes per season. Born Again is planned as a whopping 18 episode arc. Good lord. Uh, writers and executive producers Matt Corman and Chris Ord uh, are behind the show, which is expected to bow in spring. In the spring of 2024, Bernthal and his co-stars, uh, it seemed, were done with Marvel. But in January 2021, Marvel boss Kevin Feige told THR he considered the Netflix characters to still be in play. And by the end of the year, Cox was revealed to have a cameo in Spider-Man No Way Home uh, and went on to appear in She-Hulk. His Daredevil co-star D'Onofrio appeared in Hawkeye. Uh, and both Cox and D'Onofrio are key figures in the upcoming Echo series set to set the stage for Born Again. However, other actors from Netflix Daredevil series are not expected to return. Deborah Ann Wolf and Eldon Henson, who played classic supporting characters Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, respectively, are not on the roll call for the Marvel series. It is also unclear whether those characters will be recast or excised from the story. So, 
first off, fantastic to hear that Bernthal will be returning as Frank Castle, but also a bit sad to hear that uh, Wolf and, and Henson aren't making a comeback. Uh, first off, what do you think of the Punisher's return here? And do you think Disney can keep true to the character that we got back in 2017 on Netflix? What do you think? Um, I'm shocked that they're bringing him back at all, given the climate and the use of the Punisher logo. I thought that Disney was going to be uh, very uh, hesitant to ever incorporate him anything again mm. into anything again. Uh, there was a really great uh, article I read years ago from uh, uh, Charles Pulliam Moore on io9, where he was talking about how there will never be a right time for the Punisher. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't want him to be right, but I couldn't argue with any of the points that he made, even though I disagreed with them. They were very well articulated. Uh, I think that... But I think that that's like the mythos, the, 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 like the surface of the Punisher. I think there's been some incredible com- like comic book arcs about the Punisher written by guys like Ed Brisson, is one of the best Punisher writers out there, period. Um, and John Bernthal's portrayal of the character is, is amazing. Like, I remember watching season two of Daredevil and when he's doing the, the, telling the story about him seeing his daughter and how she danced and he's singing the, the little nursery rhyme and my wife was just bawling her eyes yeah. out. And I was like, are you crying? She was, how are you not crying? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm, I don't know. And this is a wild thing. He won me over in that role because I wanted Tom Jane to get a fair shake at the stick. And I was not a, like, Dirty Laundry is so cool. It's such like, a good short, right? It's such it's such an little, amazing short. It's yeah. just such a great little proof of concept. Yes, and, yes. And I was I was really hopeful that Tom Jane would get another another opportunity. I, but John Bernthal won me over. So that's my yeah. take. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. I, I was my, that was my guilty pleasure, was that that original Tom Jane one with Chandrafold as the bad guy. It's so bad, but it's so great at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I think John Bernthal you know you know reinvented the character yeah. a little bit he he grounded it in more of a an authentic trauma that was obviously related to the loss of his family the war obviously playing a huge part in that as well i think it's 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 more relatable to this time day and age but i think you're also right too in calling out the the imagery and and the 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 I guess the the overall opinion of of the punisher yeah. what he is um but i'm wondering if that might like I, I don't know if people are going to like this take, but could there be a, a point of rebranding the Punisher a little bit in in this series? And like I'm not saying that they're going to make him jokey and funny. They might have a little bit more lightheartedness to but it because we've even seen even Daredevil but... had a bit of a change to him, right? In She-Hulk, exactly. Right? So if they're yeah. the Daredevilification, if you will, yeah, uh, yeah. from that series or the MCU or the MCU MCUification, yeah, right. Yeah. Because I think I think to to Fred's point, Disney will probably be a little sensitive to how they handle. Uh, the Punisher in this upcoming franchise, but to have him come back and to pay respect to the the, the work that John Bernthal did with the character, I think that's great. I think that just creates the continuity because again, uh, they they have the rights now to all of the Netflix stuff. Might makes sense. It's just a matter of time before we get uh, Jessica Jones uh, actress um, uh, Kurt, Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter. That's yes. It. Kristen Ritter. But she's definitely been very vocal about wanting to come back and play Jessica Jones, which I think would be fantastic to see in a She-Hulk season two. I'm just going to say that. That would be pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think since Walking Dead, Bernthal has always been such a delight and seeing him show up in, in different shows throughout my life. And I think most recently uh, with him in The Bear, uh, and even though it's for such a short period of time, he yes. is... He's such an incredible actor. And so in my mind, he's synonymous with Frank Castle. You can't, I don't want, I don't, I can't right now. I can't see anyone else as Punisher. So I'm really happy they've got him back. They've already committed to an R rating on Deadpool. Um, So, I mean, they, I could see them going pretty dark with his character. One thing he said uh, 
in a in in that THR article, he uh, he was quoted as saying something along the lines of like, um, you know, if there's any let up on this character, you do a disservice to the character, to every iteration of the character, to every comic book that's come before, and to all the unbelievable fans of the character. And so he say, he talks about how the character means so much to people in the military, and so he says it's not about whether you can do it, it's about whether you can do it right. And he says, I'm only interested in doing it right. So that that alone, the fact that he's... This is an article that came out in, in an interview that he did after he was uh, cast in this series tells me that they're doing it right they're gonna do the punisher right and if if listen if he trusts them i trust them <laughs> i think um yeah. i was disappointed that there's been no talk of, of bullseye from like the third season of daredevil because i thought that the portrayal of bullseye yeah. like i think it's wilson bethel is the name of yep. the mm -hmm. actor who played him on the show and I they the storyline was great. The storyline was fantastic. so good, and they yeah. walked a line like they, oh, they, it was so well done. And the way that the third season of Daredevil ends, I remember watching the final episode, going, "The greatest tragedy for me is knowing that we're not going to get to see Charlie Cox's Daredevil and uh, what's his face, Chris, Chris, whatever his name is, the other Chris playing Captain America together." Uh, that, Evans, those two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chris Evans, America's ass. Like those two <laughs> together on camera, they were such good characters yeah. and so well done. And I, again, I didn't like Chris Evans getting, I'm like, that's the human torch, bro. Yeah. And then the same with Charlie Cox. I'm like, he always reminded me of the IRA dude from mm -hmm. Boardwalk Empire, which was my first introduction to him. And and then just they won me over like I, consistently like that's what why I don't get mad about casting decisions anymore because so many times it was this going to be terrible and then they're so good when they get on the screen and I feel yeah. like an idiot. Well, and I mean speaking of casting, they're not afraid to recast. We already also got the information. Uh, I believe that uh, D'Onofrio's um, Vanessa was recast uh, as well. Um, so I think Vanessa was recast, and I'm not. I'm trying to see who it was who it was with. Um, Sandrine Holt uh, is the new Vanessa Fisk. Um, so if they're if they're gonna recast, I mean, Foggy and Karen could be recast. I will say, like as you mentioned, um, you know, getting Jessica Jones in She-Hulk. Give me, I just honestly, I want a side character show. I want <laughs> I want Foggy and Karen and Nikki and Pug on an adventure. I think would be sure. so much fun, and sure. just put all these characters together that are these side characters. I thought Foggy was terrible. I'm sorry, guys. I'm oh, really? really? Oh, no. I, can't, I can't go on there. I thought, like, the portrayal was terrible. And I love Eldon Henson. I yeah, do. Right. I think he's incredibly charming in interviews. I got nothing bad to say about him as a dude. I just thought that his portrayal of the character, I didn't buy <laughs> like the classic wrestling term, he did not put me over, and I'm sorry. I'm Edna Krabappel. No, you only fair. get one chance no, with Edna Krabappel. That's and it's done, bud. He's out. It's over. He's out. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. The other thing too is like how much of of what came from Netflix really matters. We're getting the same casting. That doesn't mean we're getting the same stories. Could we get a new bullseye? Is what I'm what I'm suggesting here. Could we see that story told? For the third time, you know, reality we bring is over that... Colin Farrell as Bullseye. Could we bring bro <laughs> bring over that version? Just cross <laughs> universes. Dude, Let's if I go. hear the House of Pain start playing in the show, 
I'm going to be like, oh, no. Oh, they did God. it. They went the wrong they did way. It. They went the wrong he got Morpheus's trench coat. And he's back. <laughs> he's back, ladies and gentlemen. When do I get a costume? Remember that? <laughs> That's the worst part. Um, well, Michael Cuesta is directing the pilot, uh, which usually sets the tone for a series. This is 18 episodes. But the pilot, I think, is going to be the one that tells us if it's the right one. And uh, he directed Homeland, uh, the, the pilot for that, and Dexter, which honestly sounds like a perfect combination of what this show could be. Uh, and so he's going to be directing that. Speaking of directors to set a new tone, James Gunn to direct his script, uh, Superman Legacy, pick to blast off new DC multiverse, chapter one, Gods and Monsters. That's a headline. This comes from Anthony D'Alessandro over at Deadline, who writes, uh, in what should come as no surprise, James Gunn will be directing his own script for Superman Legacy a major linchpin project that will kick off the multi-platform connected DC Universe Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, uh, which he and his DC co-chairman and CEO, Peter Safran, are launching. Gunn announced back in the fall when he took the DC job that he was penning a new Superman movie, something Warner Bros. Discovery CEO David Zasloff is eager to see, and that Henry Cavill would not be returning as the Man of Steel as the project deals with the character's early days. Superman led Legacy tells the story of Superman's journey to reconcile his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing as Clark Kent of Smallville, Kansas. Uh, he is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way, guided by human kindness in a world that sees kindness as old-fashioned. Gunn already has mentioned on social that his Superman will be younger, in, than, in, uh, younger than his 40s. Uh, the all-new action adventure is set to soar into theaters worldwide July 11th, 2025. Uh, and he also put out a tweet, which I won't read the entire thing, but I did think it was really lovely and I wanted to read it here. Uh, quote, Yes, I'm directing Superman Legacy to be released on July 11th, 2025. My brother Matt told me when he saw the release date, he started to cry. I asked him why. He said, Dude, it's Dad's birthday. I hadn't realized. Uh, quote, uh, continuing here, he says, I lost my dad almost three years ago. He was my best friend. He didn't understand me as a kid, but he supported my love of comics, my love of film, and I wouldn't be making this movie now without him. Uh, it has been a long road to this point. Uh, I was offered Superman years ago. Initially, I said no because I didn't have a way in that felt unique and fun and emotional that gave Superman the dignity he deserved. Uh, then, a bit less than a year ago, I saw my way in, in many ways centering around Superman's heritage, how both his er uh, aristocratic Kryptonian parents and his Kansas farmer parents inform who he is and the choices he makes. So <laughs> we knew Gunn was penning the script for this new Superman movie. Um, Fred, let's kick it over to you. What are your What are your thoughts now that he's directing it? And do you think it's going to land that July 11, 2025 release date now, You know, given how important it is uh, to Gunn and his brother, how important that day is? I think so. Yeah, I've got some theories. You guys ready for some hot takes? First okay. of all, my battery on my phone is like my, my laptop is like not doing well. So oh, if no. I suddenly vanish, <laughs> I I got kryptonited. Um, okay. <laughs> but here's my theory. Yeah, I think that this is going to lead into some sort of multiverse story. Mm -hmm. And I and I, I could be 100 percent wrong because I'm wrong all the time. But. I think that Henry Cavill is going to be like Superman Prime 1 million, like Superman lives in the mm. sun, Whoa. and they're going to bring him in either in a post-credit sequence or a multiverse-esque angle, and I think that this movie is going to have Henry Cavill in, and here's why. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's going to involve like a multiverse angle, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Black Adam involved either. And the reason I say that is because Dwayne Johnson has been so shit talky. Yeah. And he's not a shit talky guy. No. He mm-hmm. never really does that. But The Rock is a shit talky guy, and he is a heel. <laughs> And I get this sense because he's been so on the nose about, you know, it's like I work so hard. And which are these things that you don't, and maybe these are misquotes, but these aren't rock type things, you know? Right, right. And him saying, I worked, I worked so hard to get Henry Cavill back in the suit. And then a new boss comes in and throws everything out. That's like wrestling promo stuff to me. And I almost feel like he's doing it to be vocal and beat the drum so that nobody is looking like I'm doing this with his hand. He's like, look over here. Yeah. Well, this is happening over there. Magician. And maybe I'm, com- maybe I'm completely wrong, but I also have another one of my comic book buddies that I've been going to the same shop with since like high school. And he was saying, and I agree that his theory is very valid too, uh, is that we think that it's building and it's going to have a really terrible ending. Mm. And it's going to end, like, it's going to be, like, the the setup for Kingdom Come. And that yeah. Superman is going to be, like, you're talking about the idea that truth, justice, and the American way are old-fashioned. And I think it's going to be a movie about him trying to fight against this new idea that it is old-fashioned. And in the end, he's going to save the day, but they're not going to listen anyways, which is very timely. Yeah, And when that happens, he's going to be like, bye-bye, and he's going to go away to the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> and then we'll have, like, the post credit scene of, like, Henry Cavill with a ponytail and a tractor on his shoulder. <laughs> and Wonder Woman will come up and be like, buddy, we need you. I don't want to go back. Mm. You know? And I think that that's where we're going to get Henry Cavill back into things. You don't take someone that perfect. Yeah. And just get just like toss them into the garbage, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there is a great deal of of um, reason to believe that there's a multiversal quality that will hit the DCU uh, with James Gunn behind it, and I think the first iteration of that will be the Flash, uh, especially given the fact that you know you mentioned Kingdom Come. He actually posted photos from that comic book series mm-hmm. while he was I working know. with Peter Saffron <laughs> yeah. through through this story. So I definitely think that that's top of mind. That's something that is bringing it all together. And also just the approach of like, you know, his outline. It's it's a little bit of everything from from everywhere. And, you know, Elseworlds will will exist and stuff like that. So there's got to be a way to tie it together. And I, I think you're you're absolutely right with, with that. But, you know, in regards to gun you know, penning the script and now directing. I think this is perfect. Uh, you know, obviously Superman means a lot to to him. Yeah. Um, I think more than he's letting on. And also the fact that his father is is such a big influence and a supporter to him, you know, I think he probably saw that as a, as, a, as a good omen, a good sign that he should take this on as a directing. Because I think a lot of directors are, are intimidated to take on something like Superman. I'm really excited, though, for what Gunn would do with this story from a writing and directing perspective. Again, as we know from his work, he, he there's such a, a personal touch to everything he does in the filmmaking uh, capacity. So I, I think that it's going to be sentimental. It's going to be heartfelt. It's going to be meaningful. Uh, but as we were saying, this is this is basically the first film that will officially kick off this they new gotta, DC. He's got to nail it. He's got to nail, nail it. it. So there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I can imagine there's a lot of pressure on him, but I think he'll come out on top. Well, listen, I am stoked to one day maybe someday next year sit in a movie theater and see a trailer 
for this uh, new Superman movie. Uh, speaking of trailers, I think I hear Kevin stepping out of his motorhome because it's trailer time. <laughs> All right, listen, for trailer time uh, this week, we've only got one trailer. It's a bit of an older trailer now at, at this point, but listen, we could not, not talk about it because it's got the turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. This is the first trailer from directors Jeff Rowe, Kyler Spears, and producer <laughs> Seth Rogen. Uh, <laughs> after years of being sheltered from the human world, the Turtle Brothers set out to win the hearts of New Yorkers and be accepted as normal teenagers through heroic acts. Their new friend, April O'Neil, helps them take on a mysterious crime syndicate, uh, but they soon get in over their heads when an army of mutants is unleashed upon them. Okay, this is a stack cast, so stick with me here. Nicholas Cantu, Micah Abbey, Shum, uh, Shimon Brown Jr., Brady Noon, and Jackie Chan with Rose Byrne, Ayo Edebiri, Seth Rogen, John Cena, Paul Rudd, Natasha Dimitriou, uh, Maya Rudolph, Ice Cube, Post Malone, Hannibal Burris, and Giancarlo Esposito. This arrives exclusively in theaters August 4th, 2023. I am so freaking pumped. Fred, yeah. are you stoked for the Turtles? Trey stoked, man. Trey stoked <laughs> to see this one. Um, I'm stoked because it's like it's got the Ninja Turtles as kids, and it's frustrating when the Ninja Turtles are like they're teenagers, but they're thirty-year-old dudes that are jacked, <laughs> yeah. giant monsters. Hulk monsters, yeah. <laughs> and it's like that. Don't get me. It's like Star Wars. There's a place for that too. But for I sure. know that my kids loved Into the Spider Verse, and this is a very Into the Spider Verse vibe. Yes. And I know that they will like it, and they're voiced by like they've got a youthful sound. Mm -hmm. Everything about this is really. A, a smart move to bring them into a new generation. So I love that. I, and I don't think that, and, and the thing about anything pop culture, you're ruining my childhood. They're not taking anything away. No, you oh, need no. to move on from your childhood yes. is the thing, bud. Yeah. So yes. that, that, like, I, I love it. And, and for me to sit here and like talk about it, it's really just the trailer feedback and stuff, but there's a lot of things I'm very excited about. And the, the biggest thing is that my kids really resonated with that trailer. So mm -hmm. it's good. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, there's been so many different uh, iterations or efforts, if you will, to bring back the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and I think this feels like the most authentic and relatable because, like you said, they're kids. They look they, they look and sound like teenagers. They're acting like teenagers in this trailer, yeah. right? Just doing stupid they're creating stuff. Con they're content just, creators, dude. Yeah, they're content creators <laughs> that are just trying to, you know, match their skills. Um, so I, I absolutely love that. And obviously you have a story you know, that's produced by Seth Rogen. You know, he's brought us some, some very teenagers oriented movies from the past like uh super bad if you think of that knowledge base of of, of storytelling and implemented here it sounds like it's going to be a really good time but the art style oh, is dude. next level I, I am so happy to see that into the spider-verse is influencing the animated community in the right way by inspiring people to just take things a little differently. We saw it in Puss in Boots this year, mm -hmm. and here we see a very similar sort of style to Into the Spider-Verse, but still graphic, but a lot more painterly and a lot more grungy, yeah. which fits for the turtles. I, I absolutely love the cityscape, um, and I and I also really enjoyed, you know, at the beginning, as, as you see the city and you, you kind of get introduced to it, you hear 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme subtly with those pianos. And then it just gets into some 90s quests. Uh, I believe it's- uh, A Tribe it? Called it's, uh, Quest, dude. Can I kick it? Yes, you can, can I kick it? Yes, man. So dude, perfect. And just, it's, so, it's so perfect. And I think that also is a hint of the sort of tone. It's a 90s teen comedy movie. I think this is going to slap hard and kids are going to love it and adults are going to really love it too. Yeah, visually, I mean, New York City looks incredible. I think- um, you know, into the Spider Verse, and also I think a bit of Mitchell's versus the Machines. This is coming yes. from Jeff Rowe uh, and his directing partner, who they did Mitchell's versus the Machines. So it makes which a is lot a great movie, by the way. Oh, yes, Danny so McBride much, yeah. doing a family movie is insane. It's so good. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Um, but yeah, the teen the 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 actual teenagers that they are, and how goofy they are, and I love mm-hmm. I love how um you know there's a sequence in the trailer where they're they're you kind of recording something and. I just love how the camera seems to so easily ebb and flow between them. And that's I think that's a really big thing with the performance and the dialogue in the sense that, you know, you get that youthful nature from how even just how the movie is shot, where Mm -hmm. we're sort of the camera is swinging between these different characters so rapidly. And the Mm -hmm. subtle design choices, like giving Donnie wireless headphones or Raph missing a tooth because he's probably like, you got to imagine he was trying to do a skateboard trick and like knocked a tooth out or something like that. He's just being a tough guy and got his his ass handed to him. And then he lost a sigh. I lost a sigh. That's what (laughs) happened. That's what happened. (laughs) It got lost in the gap between his teeth. (laughs) Gap between the teeth. Dude, Splinter, Jackie Chan Splinter has a mullet. Like, can we just... I think that's a flashback scene. Are you kidding though. Me? I think that's when I think that's when the turtles were like, were like little t- turtle little tots, tots. Is what they're calling yeah, them. turtle tots. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think that's a flashback scene. But needless to say, Jackie Chan as Splinter, unbelievable. And then you got Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen as uh, Bebop and uh, John Cena as 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 Rocksteady. Like you can't you can't get better casting than that. I I, I think that this they're just gonna have fun with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're gonna they're gonna kind of strip it of. Any of these preconceived ideas of 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 you know overly franchising it? It's obviously going to be a franchise because you know they've hinted here at you know April helps to uh, helps them take down a mysterious crime syndicate. I think that's the Foot Clan. I think Shredders is in the shadows here. Uh, he might be the one that's experimenting with mutants and it's going to be kind of unleashing this mutant mayhem, if you will. But uh, just on the on the note that you made there, um, uh, Fred, about uh, fans and being you know extremely protective of these things mm. um i really am pissed off at these fans that are or they call themselves fans these people that are just trying to tear this movie down because april's black and looks yeah. you know is not like a perfect female figure uh, i think it's really awful behavior uh I, I i've actually seen some people who have proven that a- april was in the original comics was i think intended to be she black, was mixed but, race in the comics yeah she was mixed yeah. race. well if you've played the palladium rpg like the tabletop rpg which has frames from the original comic all throughout it because mm-hmm. the rpg came out before the cartoon was out yeah. right when the toys were really catching off and it was this incredibly hot I- ip that was like an independent comic uh, mm-hmm. Those panels were all in there. And I remember my friends and I having all these discussions like in 1992. And I like, are, are we regressing or is the social media just, just like amplifying the dumbest voices in the room That's all the time? Is. Because what I feel like social media has is I put it, I think it's like worse than smoking um, yeah. in terms of like it, it amplifies stupidity because people have a strong emotional reaction and they want to be like, this is bad, this is wrong, which is great. But whenever you target that, you're really just lending it air. You're lending it air and you're putting it up. And then all like 
all of the equally moronic people are like, oh, I also am a moron. I agree with the moronic yeah, exactly. thing. Yeah. And it's like, just like mute all these people. Don't give them your time. Just mute them. Mute them, mute them, mute them, mute them, mute them. Yeah, I've, I've started to uh, as they start to fold. But like it kind of like made me sad. To see oh, that, like, yes. even Absolutely. even when we were talking about something that it should be bringing such joy, and it brought joy to me when I saw this. I'm a huge Turtles fan. I have been it's the first movie I saw in theaters. Live action was the was was the original. Um, I have watched that movie numerous times because I love it. Um, so you know to to be here now to see a, a new iteration that feels refreshingly different from anything that's been done before. I'm excited for it, and to see these you know for lack of a better word shitheads you know te- tearing it down. It's just you know it's unnecessary uh, and. They have no valid valid point, uh, in my opinion. Well, dude, so. the moment that Ayo Adabiri <laughs> comes into this character and just destroys it, like she's like again, I bring up the bear, but she's just she's fantastic. She's so fantastic. Sure. I cannot wait to see her. And dude, come on, the other mutants, Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko, like yeah, what? that's gonna be awesome. <laughs> like, are you that's kidding awesome. me right now? Like, I'm yeah. so stoked. I'm so stoked. Um, Rose Byrne as, as Leatherhead. I'm still waiting to see. Yeah, that's gonna that's be interesting because Leatherhead was a crocodile like australian if i'm not yeah. mistaken right no either. he was cajun man oh, he was had cajun, cajun? Yeah, cajun accent okay 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 oh that's right he was yeah. the friend yes that's yeah. right bon ami. yeah he was kind of like gambit in a sense right yeah yeah yeah, 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 cajun yeah. vibe you know yeah but, so it, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how rose Byrne portrays uh leatherhead with so many mutants showing up in this one though you got to imagine Casey Jones, Shredder, they're not I, – I think they're not going to touch them this time around. I think we're going to get, the, like you said, Justin, hiding in the shadows, hints at these characters. And then, uh, I mean, Fred, are we getting a stinger at the end of the movie? Are we getting a Shredder stinger? No, I don't know. Well, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like – I, I feel like they do Shredder origin stories like Batman origin stories. It's like every decade has one. And I think like just we all know it's the Shredder. Just if you're I, I don't, don't think like, we need an origin story. No. But just, just give us just give us there. a good give us good Shredder. Give us that Kevin isn't... Nash Super Shredder and yes. we're all happy. From okay? the Ooze, Secret of the yeah. Ooze. My God, so good. Bringing back some nostalgic vibes, buddy. Yeah. Well, it is it is ooze, definitely not goo. Okay, it's ooze. Let's all get that <laughs> yes, right. Absolutely. Um, but uh, Fred, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here soon. Uh, before we do though, uh, we have a thing that we do at the end of every this week in geek called Whatcha, uh, where we actually talk about what you have been playing, reading, or watching. You can pick one thing that you want to shout out uh, to sort of say like go go do this thing, go watch this thing that I've been enjoying recently. Um, so if you want to kick us off here, Whatcha. Uh, I've been playing Total War Britannia a lot lately. I love the Total War game. Epic. Britannia is a little bit different. Uh, it's a lot more streamlined. Uh, some people complain the strategy is not the same. I think it's just as good. It's just very different. Mm-hmm. And it really is geared to get you having more of the big battles. Anybody who's never played it, it's like turn-based and real-time strategy together. And mm. it's very historically sound. And this one in particular is set during the Viking invasions of uh great britain and i've been reading the last kingdom so like the books and it's all set in that period and there's characters from the books that are in the game too so 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 one thing to take away from from fearless fred you like history stuff i do yeah like i love that that's crazy that's awesome that's great dude i can't you know the more you read about history the more tragic you see things that unfold the exact same way time exactly time and time again it's like poetry So if you want to be depressed read about some history it's great (laughs) yeah you can either get depressed on twitter with current stuff going on or just look at history and get depressed yeah Um, it's a whole new way but there's a ton of inspiration there you know i've never or um i had i was an art 
on RTS, a real-time strategy guy, when I was a younger kid. I remember uh, Age of Mythology back in the day was the, was so good. Um, and I remember finding out that you could put cheats into it. So the amount of griffins that I just had flying and just destroying my computer, like it was like literally they were all just like the frame rate went down to yeah. like two. <laughs> so bad, so bad. Um, Justin, watch ya. Well, uh, you know, it's kind of related to our last topic. As I said, I was so joy joyful to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem trailer. Uh, I went back and got some nostalgic vibes, and I watched that original live action movie. Um, and as I was watching it, I, I you know, I, I love that movie. I have to say, it's like it's almost as if like Christ if Christopher Nolan were to do a Ninja Turtles movie, this would probably be it. But granted, it 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 kind of takes itself seriously, and I think that there's still a space for a live action Turtles movie and it's somewhat connected to the animated. There could be a TCU, a Turtles cinematic universe. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um but I I absolutely adore that movie. Um I think it's it's not perfect but in terms of what they really tried to go for and what they leaned into in terms of trying to do a live action mm -hmm. Ninja Turtles movie with Jim Henson costume design. Who hated uh, that movie, by the way. He hated it because it because because it showed all the flaws in the puppetry and, and all the and all the problems, I'm sure, in the in the costume design and and everything. Like when you have Donnie laughing and you can see the eyes of the person inside, it uh. will haunt you forever. <laughs> it it literally terrifying. will haunt you forever. But like I was saying, it was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. My parents uh, took me at the age of, I think I was four or five when it came out. It was like 1990, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. You are making and... me feel so old. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't born. <laughs> yeah, you, you weren't born, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I decided to go back and watch it. So if, if anyone hasn't checked it out, they think it's kind of ridiculous, I'd recommend you to do so. And just laugh with it. Laugh Did with Steve Barron ever do a, a, like a George Lucasification? Where they remove the eyes or put in like a put a digital no. put an alien in the front for some reason. I think also <laughs> people need to remember is the format that those movies were watched in. We're not as like right. high res we as what we see, see today. Eyes. And when you it's like when you watch the original edit of Star Wars A New Hope and you can clearly tell that all those soldiers at the end are cutouts. Yes. But when you watched it in film, you couldn't you tell. See it, no. You didn't see it. Or the Vaseline underneath yep. the uh, the speeder. All of those things you, you couldn't yeah. recognize because of the yep. format. They were made for their format. And I think yep. people with their like, it's got to be crystal clear, are missing out on the subtlety of hiding things. It's like pixelation yes. of video games. Like those old imagine. video games were made for tube TVs. Mm -hmm. So you had a flow and a blend. And when you pixelate them, they look clunky and ridiculous. But sorry, it's your watch. I am. I'm jumping. No, no. I, I'm. I'm. I know. Please. I. I love. I love the. I love the banter. And I. I totally. I totally relate. Like I think it. Again, we. We come to appreciate the nostalgic value that these things uh, have and the memories that they associate with. So for me, you know, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies has a, a lot of association of of just the movie going experience and seeing the cartoons that I, I watched live action. You know, imagined it was. It kind of broke my brain to think that you know they were cartoons and now they're live action at, at such a young age. So yeah, every time I watch that movie, I just I just get that vibe again, and it's crazy how it can just transport you back to when you were five years old and in a theater. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I have a buddy of mine who he bought a he's like really into the quality of things, but he also bought a CRT TV. Like this is a guy who's got like you know I always shout out my my LG OLED, and he's he's like all about that. He bought the latest version, even though he, I didn't think he had to. But he also bought a CRT TV to watch these VHS tapes in the way that he remembered when he was a kid. And I think there's something to be said about that for sure.
Um, for my watch, yeah, uh, I've really been enjoying PSVR 2 uh, a lot. Uh, it's such a market improvement over the PSVR 1. Uh, Fred, you ever do any VR stuff before? It makes me barf. So oh, no. I tried it once and I get really bad motion sickness yeah. and then I feel super claustrophobic yeah. and it's cool. Some people like it. That's cool. It's just not. I like, wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it. It was I, disorienting. I got, yeah. Exactly. I felt really sick and my buddy was like, it's so amazing. And it's like, I'm glad you are enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not. But have fun, you know, have a great deal of fun with it. Well, I will tell you, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell for, for folks listening who don't get disoriented. I'm going to recommend, obviously, uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain. You can do a lot of like mountain climbing, uh, which is the only way I will ever do mountain climbing myself. Um, and also, uh, before we did this recording, I was kayaking in, in Antarctica, which is so incredibly serene. And the, the, the fidelity of this headset is, is so good. Uh, that you know, it's it's just, it's so immersive, and I was I have my uh, my my air conditioning unit set up above my TV, and so I turn that on and I set it to be really cold and like sort of doing the wind thing in my face. So I'm I'm there <laughs> I'm there kayaking in my in my sweatpants, and I am loving it. It is absolutely fantastic. But I will say there is a game I'm going to recommend uh, for everyone uh, who does maybe get motion sickness. Um, and actually two of them really quick. One is called Moss. Uh, you play this little mouse and it's kind of like a top down view. Uh, and if you're into model making, you might really enjoy it because it's very much like you're just looking at these beautiful miniature sort of landscapes and you play as this little mouse uh, that runs around with a sword. It's like that book series. I can never remember the name of that book series. You know that book series? Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mouse Guard. Redfall. Redfall. That's, that's it. So yeah. good. So good. Um, and so you play as this little this little mouse and, and she's saving her uncle and it's really cool. But the other one I would recommend is called Before Your Eyes. Uh, it's a two-hour experience. You relive a life every time you blink. Time like moves that episode forward. of Star Trek where Picard, <laughs> oh yeah, goes into the satellite and plays the flute and tries to save people with skin with like sunblock. That's it. Doesn't quite doesn't quite work, <laughs> but uh, he gets to keep the flute somehow. Uh, yeah, so that's good. <laughs> no flutes in this one. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but yes, um, I honestly we talk all the time on this podcast how I cry in movies. Uh, this game is very emotional uh, before your eyes. Uh, time Every time you blink, time moves forward. And there were moments where I'm like trying to keep my, I'm trying to, I'm crying, but I'm also trying to keep my eyes open because I don't want to blink to the next section. I want to hear the story that's going on. Um, but I'm pretty sure I filled up my headset with, with tears because the story just really, really hits. So again, there's definitely, if you were motion sickness, I think there's some games that you might be able to try to sort of ease yourself what, back you just, into You're it. like, don't get motion sickness, just cry. <laughs> These are my options. Is that better? These are the only two it's, ways I can listen, go. Be sad or be sick. I think like, it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Either vomiting from your mouth or, or your, your eyes. eyes. One yeah. of the two. <laughs> so listen, if you, can't, if you don't want to barf, try this one where you just be sad for a few hours. Oh, all it's right. It's great. Like it's so good. Uh, Fred, listen, it has been wonderful having you on the podcast. Uh, we mentioned dead romans is releasing uh, what's the date again that we're releasing that 22nd wednesday wednesday this wednesday uh yeah. i'm so stoked i cannot wait to read it for myself before we wrap up the floor is yours tell the wonderful geeks anything you want to promote uh and where they can continue to hear your lovely voice we'll talk about i'll gotta come back on to talk about my star wars radio play oh, yes. please i'm down uh, i gotta hear you it. can find i talk about it on my twitter feed a lot there is a twitter feed for it at star wars mud 79 okay um and there's more coming from that and yeah but that's really the biggest thing and i'm on twitter and instagram at fearless underscore fred 
can find me there. Very cool. Very cool. We'll make sure we have links in the description uh, for everyone to follow Fred uh, and his geeky journey through life uh, and through Canadian comic creation. Geeky. Canadian, Canadian geek. geek. There we go. Yeah, we always got to mention <laughs> the Canadianness. Uh, that is it. We hope you enjoyed this week in geek. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news or any of the content we cover, well, let me just do a turtle toss over to Justin to let you know how you can reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can hit us up on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our recent spoiler-free reviews uh, or review for the Apple TV original series Hello Tomorrow. Uh, And we also have our Oscar recap episode where we shared our reactions to the big night covering all the nominees and uh, and winners. And we talked a lot about that feckin' donkey uh, so definitely go <laughs> check that out. Did you watch the Oscars, Fred? Did you? Was there any surprises for you? No, I was watching The Last of Us. Yeah, that's the way to go. <laughs> that's the better. That's yeah. the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of The Last of Us, uh, obviously with that series just wrapped, we've also just wrapped our weekly watch club uh, for HBO's The Last of Us. Um, this is where you can hear our thoughts and theories uh, for these different shows every single week. We kind of give our theories and also our rating for each episode. So if you if you ha- if didn't get a chance to listen to our HBO's The Last of Us watch club, definitely go back. It's a lot of fun. Justin and I just have some really great conversations about that show and just honestly it's just us freaking out over every single episode and how fantastic that that show is uh we also have our watch club for star wars the bad batch uh every single week and the mandalorian season three and speaking of the mandalorian season three uh listen we also have interviews out now like our interview with the mandalorian season three director rick femuyiwa as well as bo katan Kreese herself katie sackoff where justin had the chance to sit down and chat with both of them discussing their their voice in the larger mandalorian story and there's also a lovely Star Wars parenting moment. Uh, so go give those episodes a listen right here on your podcast service of choice. Or check them out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And you can also check out my interview with D. Bradley Baker, the Bad Batch himself over there. Fred, quickly, Bad Batch, how are you feeling about it? I have not seen any of the new seasons. Oh, okay. I have to be, I, like my, I, we've had like company visiting from back home <laughs> in the prairies. And there's been no time. Yeah. But I am going to get into it. Good. Trust me. I will tell we'll you, it's, it's better. It, it Honestly, it's better than season one. It's, it's, okay. it's, a, it's a big improvement over season one, in my opinion. Way I think bigger so. improvement. Yeah. There's a lot of feelings I've heard and crosshair and all that oh. stuff. And it's interesting. Okay. I've got to come back on. <laughs> I, guess, I just got the look from, I got to go. But yeah. I got to come back on to talk Star Wars with you. Because I got some hot takes. And I will shoot you the, the like, the flawless master remastered editions of the first season of the radio play for you to listen so we can prime up for season two because you're gonna love it i guarantee very cool strong excellent strong. Awesome. awesome all right well listen uh everyone subscribe here keep up with us uh, subscribe on youtube at youtube.com slash geekcentric uh and just go give go give fred some love uh on the internet go see that happy cat profile picture uh justin fred thank you so much for joining me for this week in geek and as we say Love ya. Solidarity. Peace.